right, how's it going, everyone? So today we welcome Courtney, who is a vibrant and bubbly individual, and we'll be discussing her vegan lifestyle as well as other aspects of her life that align with not only her passion of mindfulness, but also how it sort of falls under the big picture of the environmental movement that is really gaining tremendous momentum. So welcome, Courtney. Um, it's great to have you. It's great to have you here with us today. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me um, and asking me to be on here. Um, super grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, so I think it'll be best that before we actually get into, you know, what we'll be talking about, if you could briefly introduce yourself and maybe talk about where you, you know, you're joining us from. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my name's Courtney Price. I'm based in Encinitas, California. Um, it's a little town um, in San Diego County, so Southern California. Um, yeah, I've been living here for about six years. I'm originally, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm originally from Connecticut, um, but I moved out here for college and then I ended up just staying. So that's that's where I'm coming from today. Awesome. You, you yeah. said you're from Connecticut? That's such a shift from the East Coast to the West Coast, huh? Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, my whole life, everyone was like, oh man, like you don't really fit in here. I'm like, yeah, I'm like born in the wrong state. <laughs> on the west coast so yeah yeah that's that's amazing that's really interesting um we actually interviewed or we did a podcast episode with um a social worker from connecticut which is so ironic and so interesting um yeah, yeah. you know what i um i think i went to high school with her did you really yeah, you know and, and Gabby? yes yeah, did you really? yeah. i saw that you guys follow each other on instagram and i was like hmm, i wonder if there is a crossover <laughs> did you really that is so crazy i gotta i'm for sure going to let her listen to this podcast episode <laughs> oh wow that's such a small world yeah Holy it, it, moly. It's smaller and smaller i thought you guys like went to school together or something but it's really just a coincidence sir no we yeah no it's um we actually connected through instagram that is so crazy oh my goodness okay <laughs> getting getting sidetracked um getting sidetracked you know i can just talk about the elephant in the room and that is being yeah. vegan right how did you how did you yeah. get into the scene was it a personal decision or were you sort of inspired by the lifestyle um, yeah, I was inspired. I was, um, so I went vegan like a year into living here, living in San Diego. Um, I mean, it's, we've talked earlier about this too. Like it's not difficult to be living this lifestyle here because of the strong sense of veganism here in the city. Um, but yeah, originally I was, um, you know, in the yoga community here and, um, one of the eight limbs of yoga is ahimsa, which is um, in do no harm. And a lot of yogis, you know, don't partake in eating meat. So I was aware of this concept um, before actually going vegan. Um, but long story short, I basically got a really bad kidney infection. Um, and it was because of my diet. I thought I was being healthy by like doing the high protein, low carb thing. Like now I'm vegan. I just like laugh at that. <laughs> no offense. 
But it really was detrimental to my health. And um, I ended up getting a bad kidney infection. And the doctor was like, you really need to incorporate more fiber. And that's coming from like Western medicine, you know? So I really must have not been doing a good job. Um, So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try this vegan thing since a lot of humans around me are doing this. And um, it kind of just stuck. Like it really sparked um, a huge enlightenment period for me. Like it really lifted my consciousness. Um, I started spending more time outside. I started uh, practicing meditation. So everything Mm -hmm. kind of just fell into line from there. Like it really changed my whole world after cutting dead things out of my diet and only putting living things into my body. Yeah, so it was, it was a fairly easy transition for you then, huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually um, was like raw vegan right off the bat for like six months. Wow. Uh, not that was not too long, you know. People are raw foodists for ten years or plus, you know. But um, so I, I just really wanted to do it for my health, and then all the other benefits and all the knowledge that came with becoming vegan just became a lifestyle for me. Amazing. And, you know, just diving into your everyday routine, what's what's the uh, typical menu list consist of in your vegan diet? Like morning, do you have do you have, you know, do you have staple dishes? I do. Yeah. So um, I love to actually eat raw like throughout the day mostly. And then I'll have my cooked meal at night. But sometimes like if it's cold or whatever, that ebbs and flows. But I love having like smoothies in the morning. I always have frozen bananas in the freezer, like on hand. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. um, and I actually have delved into becoming a vegan chef. And I, I think we'll get more into that too. So yes. I love around with different sauces with nuts, like macadamia nuts or cashews and making like an Alfredo. I'm doing quotes because there's no actual you know, dairy in it. So yeah, lots. I really make everything from like lentils, pasta, you name it, potatoes, huge staple. Amazing, amazing. So, I mean, just just for clarification for people out, you know, the listeners who aren't entirely familiar with the differences um, between a vegan, Mm -hmm. a vegetarian, and a plant-based diet. Can you sort of break it down between the three? Yeah, totally. So. Um, I guess I'll start with, I'll just say plant-based. So like when you're plant-based, you're probably not eating dairy. Um, and it's almost like a vegan diet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not consuming animal products. Um, vegetarian, you could still be consuming animal products like dairy. Um, and then vegan is a little, like a little bit deeper. So it's more than just your diet. It's, it's a lifestyle. So I'm not gonna go ahead and buy like brand new leather boots or um, I'll even go as far as like, I don't wanna buy produce that like humans weren't treated properly. Um, I think it really ties into like animal rights, human rights, just being a compassionate human all around and conscious about how you're living your life, where your money or your dollar is going, um, all that kind of stuff. That is a strict lifestyle, has it? Has it been easy for you since the beginning? Because, I mean, you're not only going from an omnivore to completely vegan, you're shifting your entire perspective 
on life, essentially, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when I first shifted my lifestyle, it was difficult. And I would say it was difficult not only for me, but like the circle of people I was surrounding myself with because they weren't necessarily on that path. Um, so I felt like a lot of judgment from those humans and also like for myself, just for making such a drastic change as to like what my normal was. Um, but then as time moves on, it just becomes easier and easier. And it's just like a lifestyle, you know? Mm -hmm. and can't even imagine going back to how I was, especially now it's almost been like seven years wow. of me doing this. So, uh, or yeah, six years, excuse me. Oh, wow. Um, that, that's quite a long time. That is, so. yeah. yeah. You're, <laughs> you know, uh, going back to, you can't even imagine going, you know, going back to the lifestyle that you had prior to um, you being a vegan. You're probably looking back like, I can't believe I even participated in that sort of lifestyle. You know, it's kind of... Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it 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 would be foolish to say that transitioning to a vegan lifestyle does not only reap out various health benefits, because it absolutely does, but also the environmental benefits as well. You know, um, <laughs> I stumbled across this article back in 2019 and basically talked about how transitioning to a vegan diet is most likely the single biggest measure that can be taken upon an individual to reduce not only their carbon uh, footprint but as well as their environmental footprint you know you're taking into yes. consideration um, the welfare of animals and things of that nature and you know of course there are more recent articles that have been put out there about the impact about uh the impact of being vegan that will either try to credit or discredit the lifestyle however um mm -hmm. to my i think it is indisputable that on an individual basis it is the best route a person can take to 100%. yeah to lower yeah. their impact on not only environmental degradation but you know just the compassionate aspect you know as well and i mean it sounds like a win-win right the potential health benefits yeah. like lowering cholesterol and blood pressure to the welfare of animals to the protection of the environment i mean <laughs> come on right so Right, right. I think a lot of people like go go on and live their life, and they they're like, I I want to be compassionate, but it's it's just so loaded, and so many things are hidden from the consumer of environmental impact of your health of the animals. That truth is, if you're turning a blind eye, like it's really not compassionate, not on all scales, you know. Yeah, and so because you've been a vegan for several years now, what do you think? are the biggest obstacles for people not transitioning to this lifestyle? Mm, yeah, I think um, the biggest obstacles probably like I was kind of talking about it earlier, like the circles we surround ourselves with, ourselves with and that includes family. Um, I think if we were all just living our lives individually with no relationships, we could just make any choice we want, but it becomes a little bit more difficult um, to navigate when you have people that hold you to an expectation that put labels on you, whatever that might be. And um, especially cultural. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I was raised Jewish and with that comes a lot of food. Like food is love, love is food. We bond over a meal. 
of like heavy meats, like brisket, cow, you know, a lot of this stuff and saying no can almost be offensive. So that was like a lot of willpower for me at the time going to a family gathering after feeling like, oh my gosh, I've had this enlightenment. I'm not going to eat this for X, Y, and Z reasons. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, but you know, now, now some of them have even gone vegan and um, it's just, I, yeah. So I think that is one of the biggest obstacles, just um, making that step um, with the influence of other people around you. Amazing. Yeah, building off on the whole, the norm and the cultural aspect of it. I yeah. mean, you know, the dominant social cultural norm in, you know, at least the West is meat consumption. You know, on top of that, yeah. you know, I think, I think the switch to veganism includes obstacles that encompasses, you know, the physical, the social and the economic challenges for people as well. You know, basically, um, it was once not very accepted and depending on where you are located for the majority of, you know, the majority part is still sort of approached with challenges. I mean, yeah, you know, um, yeah. and accessibility, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. accessibility to proper food and to the knowledge of it. Exactly. I mean, you know, take California, for example. I mean, you see a booming increase of these vegan restaurants coming up, especially in San Diego. When I was down there, there was, you know, uh, a handful of restaurants solely dedicated to this lifestyle. And, you know, um, right. they but however, they are still in high ranking demand for meat and dairy production. You know, um, yes. mm -hmm. do you think that there is a particular age range when a majority of people are in the best position to make a shift to veganism or that sort of lifestyle? Um, you know, I want to say that it's never too late to make a change. Um, I've even seen it within my own parents. They ended up moving here like three years after I did. And the growth that I've witnessed, it's just exponential and they're still moving forward and they're like almost 60 you know wow For, I, with that being said and with like I, I'm kind of like a what's the word optimist <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so um, in our society you know a lot of people say oh I'm too old to change or whatever that is um, I, I do think that like from when you're young like the younger the better if you have accessibility to the knowledge and to the proper food and um, all that stuff, obviously. But I do think it's never too late to change. You know, where a person lives is part of this big question on the feasibility of being vegan without straining oneself. Um, however, there, you know, there are viable yeah. options, you know, being to be able to self-sustain such as um, such as these this vegan lifestyle, which is a great um, segue to the topic of agriculture in which I'm, you know, um, you are familiar with and are yes. actively participating in, correct? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what's your role in that field? And, you know, what have you learned so far being in that role? Sure. Yeah. So I first want to say that if I never want vegan, I, I mean, I don't know what I would be like, but I definitely don't think I would consider myself a farmer. Um, I mean, having the passion of the environment for the environment from being vegan then led me down the path of agriculture. Um, 
But yeah, so I work on a farm here in Encinitas called Coastal Roots, and it's actually a Jewish farm, ironically enough. So I'm learning a lot about the roots of my ancestors while also um, working on the farm. So um, technically on the farm, I am not a quote unquote farmer. Um, I am an educational, I teach people. Um, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I call myself like, oh, I'm a part of the education team, you know? Um, we have all ages coming in from like four years old to 40 years old or even older. And, um, it's kind of like whoever wants to learn about the farm and what we do on the farm. Um, however, about two years ago, I got really into agriculture and I did a farm school program here in San Diego, um, at a farm called Wild Willow. Shout out to Wild Willow because they're incredible. Um, and there I learned the practice of regenerative farming, um, which is a practice of farming that I think should be used. It's kind of like the OG way of farming. Um, it's all about just rebuilding ecosystems within ecosystems um, and allowing Mother Nature to kind of do the work for you instead of humans taking advantage of the land. So like, instead of humans spraying pesticide, you know, once you're doing the farming right, you don't even have to worry about pests because you're doing it right. Um, so yeah, um, besides working on the farm here um, at my little apartment, I managed to uh, grow quite a lot of food. Me and my partner are kind of on a quest to grow most of our own food. So um, as we speak, there's like broccoli, arugula, onion, potato, tomato, watermelon, like you name it. You guys we're, are ready. Yeah, <laughs> we're ready for the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> how, so, yeah. how big, how big is the farm that you work on? Oh man, so it's huge. Um, they have like 60 acres, I want to say. But wow. the educational part that I work on is only like two acres, um, but they're they're great. Like the farm I work on is really special because they are a production farm, meaning like they sell their produce. However, they do have a farm stand that's pay what you can. So they're really more more interested in helping the community to give healthy food to people that don't normally have accessibility. Um, wow, that's incredible. It, it's incredible, yeah, especially during a time like this um, with COVID being like crazy and a lot of people losing their jobs and whatnot. Um, the the farm is really supporting the community right now. So it's it's great to be a witness of that. I'm so glad you're part of that initiative. That's That's amazing. For sure. Now, when we talk agriculture, of course, it is a response mm -hmm. to this growing concern for food security. Now, since yeah. you are based in San Diego, uh, first and foremost, I just find it mind boggling just to see the exponential growth of both urbanization and population. Um, are you familiar mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. concept of urban agriculture by chance? I am. Yeah, I am uh, okay. a little familiar with that. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's not it's not entirely new, but, you know, it, it has seen um, supports and growth of the concept. Well, you know, at least in the United States within the past, you know, 30 years or so, right. you know, um, for, you know, for those who don't know what it is, it's basically taking 
the original concept of agriculture and placing them on, you know, rooftops, balconies, vacant lots and parks and basically growing and producing food in a city or heavily populated town or a municipality and raising fresh produce, you know, which can improve local food security and nutrition, especially for um, underserved communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. You know, like my sister lives in Brooklyn and I mean, even when I visit New York City, it's just so different with the amount of um, organic food that you can get versus here in San Diego and walking by um, some community gardens in Brooklyn just like totally wore my heart. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. more of these. (laughs) <laughs> I think we need more in San Diego and like, you know, comparatively a lot of place, more places need them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know San Diego currently has the, uh, I'm trying to think on, on top of my head, the San Diego Food Alliance um, that yeah, facilitates yeah, the, uh, yeah. the Urban Agricultural Working Group. Um, and they're doing a great job, you know, pushing for collaboration through, you know, and policy, you know, just really trying to raise awareness about, you know, the looming issue of food security in the communities. And it's just inspiring <laughs> to it say is, the least. Yeah. It, it's yeah, really San inspiring. They've really, they're, they're pretty good about it. Pretty much like, I want to say pioneers of it all, like of that bridging the gap between people that um, maybe don't have ex- accessibility and also like proper techniques of farming because even if like places in the country have food it's not properly grown and that means they're not getting the proper nutrients for their body so it's like a whole thing um so yeah pretty blessed to have mentors around me that are like forefronting that movement it's pretty cool yeah, I, I feel like you have a great network right now. I mean, because, you know, urban agriculture and just, you know, this whole this whole transition to, you know, self-sustainability is just it's increasing access to locally grown food while encouraging, you know, the most important aspect, which is civic engagement. You know, yeah. you in addition to this concept, you know, it provides this social health, economic and, you know, all of these different environmental benefits as well. You're I mean, you're converting this vacant what was once a vacant lot to now a grass covered green space that serves as a resource, you know, but also promotes, the, you know, like aesthetic Absolutely. value. I mean, you walk down a vacant lot that was just empty and now you see this green patch of, you know, just amazing grass and just you're just you feel inspired and you want to get involved you know you want to do your part yeah like who doesn't love a nice urban farm (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) walking by in cement and it's just all tomatoes and delicious (laughs) the farm that i learned on wild willow they've been running for about eight or nine years now um it's very small it's only like eight acres and i think a four of that is farmed and they're also a production farm but when they were first starting the farm and getting the soil ready um, to provide the food, they were finding chunks of cement underneath the dirt. Wow. So I don't even know what was there before for years. Like, pretty crazy. That is. I mean, <laughs> that is that's that is crazy. But staying on the topic of aesthetics, you yes. are also finding your creative outlet through music, right? And you know how 
How have you balanced that? How are you balancing everything you have going on? You're a <laughs> farmer. You are a you know. You just how are you balancing everything you have going on? <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, but music came first. So um, yeah, the music was always on the forefront for me, and that has been awesome to watch ebb and flow with how my lifestyle has also ebbed and flowed. Um, so. Yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter, and I mostly enjoy writing songs about the land.、Um, like I said, music came first, so I've been writing music like my entire life. And then the past two years, I've gotten really into agriculture and the community here. So with that shift, I've really witnessed my lyrics change a lot. And my why am I doing music to begin with? Like I always say. Coming back to my why, and、um, I think the the most beautiful thing about being a songwriter, especially during times like this, is that I can use my voice, my writing, to talk about social change and to talk about the things that I'm passionate about, like no not harming animals, like not harming Mother Nature,、um, protecting our oceans, whatever that might look like. So you asked me how I balance it, and I think it's actually pretty natural because they're both so creative. Like growing food and being passionate about that is kind of like bred from the same fire as my lyrics and my music. So yeah, that, that that's that. It's it's probably safe to say that the environment and climate change issues have. Served as an inspiration as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Like there, there have been moments where I'm like so angry post like conversation I just had with someone, and I'm like, God damn! And I just write a song about、um, angry about what's happening with our climate, with our with the reality right now.、Um, and some of the best songs have come from that passion and that fire. That's an、uh, that's the necessary inspiration right there. You know, you feel、totally. you feel a certain way because you know I'm I'm dabbling into the arena of spoken word, and I saw yeah, that on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's my you know it's really derived from my passion for everything we have going on, and especially with、mm -hmm. the climate change issues and you know environmental issues and just everything that falls under the, this umbrella, right? And、mm -hmm. I feel that、mm -hmm. your lifestyle. And your passion inter interconnect, you know what I mean. And you find this this vehicle that you're able to use, whether it be music or you know、um, agriculture, and you're able to just impact lives, change perspectives, inspire, and you know it's it's readily apparent that you are doing all the above. So great job, great job.、Mm. Um, Thank you. You know,、For、oh、sure. man. I just, I feel like we can go on for a while, but yeah. I know, <laughs> <But> right? <laughs> Courtney, this oh man, you are really inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us today.、Mm, thank you, Keith, for having me. This has been awesome. Like you said, I could talk about this for like another hour. So, but what else you got? Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being very considerate of your time, but you know we really appreciate it. And you know there is a possibility that we might reconnect in the future. How does that sound? Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome, awesome. 